And we do have uh, kids' church today, and so uh, grade three and under can uh, head off. Mark Clan back there is going to be teaching today. So I got to pray for uh, our young people who are going to go to Sunday school today. Pray your blessing over them, your grace in their lives, and God for us who are um, just going to open up your word and pray you would speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we are going to do one more message uh, when it comes to community and connection. Next week, we're going to jump back into the book of Ephesians, and uh, we're going to jump in with uh, uh, the topic of marriage and submission is where we're starting next week. So uh, we're going to talk today about the next generation, something that's really important uh, for all of us. Even if you are here and you don't have kids or your kids are off somewhere else, As a church community, as the family of God, the next generation is really important to all of us. And this is a little bit different kind of message than most weeks, because it's going to feel maybe more like a seminar than a a sermon, but uh, we want to talk about the next generation. Deuteronomy 6 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, And with all your strength, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. This is like the center of our faith, that we would love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And Jesus also said that we love our neighbor as ourself, that we love God and we love people. That's that's our mission in life. It is to saturate us, it's to cover us, that we would be incredible lovers of God and in incredible lovers of every single person that we meet. Now, it's interesting that the very first thing, and this is Moses uh, talking to the Israelites before they went into the promised land, the very first thing he says after this great commandment is he says this, impress them on your children. Hey, he could have said a lot of different things after this, the greatest commandment. He could have said a lot of different things, but he says, impress them on your children. And if you might be thinking, well, that's just for parents. It's not just for parents. He was speaking this to the whole community. Uh, and we live in a very uh, individualistic society here in sort of what the, our Western world where we kind of say parenting is all up to the parents and, and it's not really anybody else's job. But back then, and still in places in the world, parenting was always a community job. And if you look in the Scriptures, uh, parenting is something that is primarily done by parents, but also there's a heavy weight of responsibility on all of us as the community in raising and blessing our children. And so this is to all of us. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, this is a full-time thing. That this idea of a community raising our children together and parents raising our kids is something that is to be a full-time thing. That we would speak it, that we would model it, that we would love God and love people and our kids would see us doing that full-time. Not just a Sunday thing, but an everyday thing. In Psalm uh, chapter 71, it says, Since my youth, God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God. Tell, I declare your power to the next generation. 
your mighty acts to all who are to come. I mean, this psalmist, his desire before he departs this world it was not that he had a lot of money in his bank and not he had a new Porsche in the garage. It was, I want to be someone who declares how good God is to the next generation. I mean, even if you're retirement age and your kids are gone or whatever it might be, part of our desire is that we would be passing the faith on to the next generation. That we'd be declaring how beautiful and good and amazing and strong God is to even the little ones around us. Uh, Psalm 78 says this, we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his law to Jacob or to Israel or to us. He gave this instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them. Again, this is not just on parents, but this is on all of us. That all of us here, as the, because we've been talking about this last couple of weeks, that we are the family of God. And any young person in our midst is part of our family. And we take that responsibility seriously. We should, as a community, we get to know the names of our kids and the names of the teens in our midst, and, and that we love on them and bless them and care for them because they're part of our family too. Now, the reality is uh, the church does not do the best job at this. Uh, here's some statistics from the Southern Baptist Convention. These are American statistics. It says 70 to 88% of Christian teens are leaving the church by their second year in college. Uh, 78 to 88% of uh, kids and teenagers who've grown up in church by their second year of college no longer attend a church and no longer are uh, actively involved in the faith. Now imagine if 70 to 88% of people who graduated high school couldn't read. Imagine if 70 to 88% of, you know, students graduating from uh, school, you know, couldn't even do ba basic math. I mean, there'd, just, there'd be craziness going on. Yet, this is kind of the statistic for a lot of the church, that the majority don't make it. And I know a lot of your lives here that there is pain over this in many of our lives, that uh, we've loved our kids and carried them, and then, and then sometimes later on in life, they're not walking in the faith anymore. Now, the Canadian statistics are a little different. They're actually better than American statistics. There was a book that came out a few years ago called Hemorrhaging Faith. And it was why and when Canadian young adults are leaving the church why they're staying or why they're returning. It was a very comprehensive study just of Canadian youth. They talked with, interviewed over 2,000 young people. And, uh, and I want to spend some time talking about this, and that's why it's going to feel more like a seminar than a sermon probably today, but we'll jump back into Ephesians next week. This is what they found. Uh, that only one in three Canadians, so 67%, that's better than the other statistics, who attended church weekly as a child still does so today. That's still a pretty big failure rate <laughs> when you think about it. Uh, I mean, when, when, when God says, Hero Israel, that this is one of the first things that a community should be doing. Love God with all your heart and mind. And the first thing we should be doing is impressing them on our kids. And yet, that's the percentage. 
This is one of those things that we need to be praying over and working on and, and growing in as a community as we work together in loving and caring and blessing our young people. Now, where are they going? Uh, the Canadian study said that 70%, uh, 5% of the non-attenders, those who have left the church and no longer participate in Christian faith, do not even identify with their Christian, Christian tradition. They have not converted to other religions, but describe themselves as being spiritual, agnostic, or atheist, or having no religion. Of our 2,049 respondents, only five indicated an affiliation with another religion. So it's not like they're going to another religion. They're just giving it up altogether. Uh, so what is going on? Why is this? Why is the church's rate of bringing up their young people into the faith, why is it not working? And this is what the study set out to, to investigate. And they found four things that were common. And I want to talk about these four things today. There are four things that made the difference in whether a young person stayed or left. Uh, the first two are very important. The last two are extremely important. There are more issues than just the four, but these are the four issues that made the difference in whether a young person stayed in or left the church and the faith. And one of them was experiencing God. That we talk about a personal relationship with God. We talk about a God who does miracles. We talk about a God who is amazing. And when there's a disconnect in our young people, when they don't experience God, it's just an intellectual thing, these are the ones who have tended to remove themselves from the faith. This is what the report says, that ne nearly all the young adults who have continued to attend church say they have experienced God's love for them personally. They've, they felt God. They felt His presence. They, they've seen God move. They've seen a miracle. They, they've actually seen God do something. Because the reality is, if we don't experience truth, it, it just kind of remains in la-la land, right? I mean, I think I've talked about this before. We, we, a lot of people know that if you ate sugar for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, it would be bad for you, but a lot of people don't really uh, dive into that truth until they have health issues, it's one that once the truth is experienced, that's what changes your life. And this is incredibly important for young people, that they actually experience God, and it's important for all of us. Now, we don't lead by experience. We lead by truth. Experience is always under truth, but experience is really, really important. Uh, here are some of the things that those who are faithful to the church and to Christianity have said. Uh, they've had experience of God healing people. God providing for me and my family, uh, God guiding me, God caring about the little things in my life, that God speaks to me, God has felt during worship, that God has experienced an emotion, that God is found in serving others, that God shows himself in the midst of hardship, that the young people who are still walking in the faith and going to church are people who say, I know God is real because I've experienced him. I've seen God heal. I've felt God move. I've, I've, seen him, I've seen these truths that I know in my head. I've seen them play out into some sort of reality. A couple quotes. Uh, one young person named Devin said, I was really depressed. I started to pray a lot again to get this out of me. I don't want to feel this way anymore. And I didn't. So after that, it's like, okay, God exists, set in stone. I mean, he felt healed by his depression. It's one of the major defining moments in his life. Uh, Malcolm, my sister, when she was 17, had a stroke and lost vision in her eye. 
The pastor of the church went to the hospital regularly to be with her and pray with her. And after he had prayed with her a number of times, she was actually healed. Her vision returned. It was an answer to prayer, a defining moment for this young person. And it is for a lot of people uh, that God is not just some intellectual truth. I mean, that very verse is we are to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Uh, it's not just a mind thing, but we experience God and we feel God. And, and God is a healing God. He is a moving God. He is a relational God. Now, those who had left the church and left the faith, uh, here are some of the barriers that they talked about. Uh, unanswered prayer. They prayed for something, maybe a miracle, and God didn't answer. And the tendency often is just to blame God. Well, my prayers are answered, so it's God's fault. And we talk about that here because a lot of times we blame God for unanswered prayer when it's not really Him. Uh, this universe is a lot more complicated than just God and nobody else. I mean, there's an active spiritual world where there's evil and there's our sin. There's a lot involved. But they talked about the pain of unanswered prayer, which, which we probably all know at times. Uh, they felt God didn't care about them. Uh, they never experienced anything spiritual. They felt that God never connected with them. Uh, they didn't feel God. Uh, they, they, they pursued God by doing the right things, but they always came up empty-handed. And this is why it's really important for us to allow our young people to experience God. Why it's really important that we pray for people to be healed. Because the more we pray, the more healings we see. Uh, and, and they're powerful. The more that we say that this relationship with God is not, He's not just some distant God. He is a God you can actually experience. He's a God at times you feel and sense and maybe in worship or when you're praying. And He's a powerful God. He's an experiential God. I mean, imagine if... You, you know, married someone, and you never got to experience them. A part of any relationship is us experiencing the one we're in relationship with. And God is a God whom we experience. And we see this uh, all throughout the scriptures. Uh, Second Timothy said this, uh, says this, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then it says this, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And there are a lot of churches today that just never talk about experiencing God, never want to enter into the power of God. Do you know pretty much every time someone gave their life to Jesus in the Bible that it was wrapped around some sort of experience, a healing, uh, an encounter moment, a miracle. Again, God is not against experience. This is a very important thing. Now, experience is not our number one. The Word of God is the, the Word of God defines our experience, but experience is very important, and experience should be an important part of all of our faith, and it's very important that our young people experience this, and we expose them uh, to this kind of thing. For instance, we see in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, it says, Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power and the Holy Spirit in deep conviction. It's not just a word thing, but it's an experience thing. Romans 15, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God. But what I have said and done by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. Again, it's not just a word thing. It's not just an intellectual thing. 
but it's an experience thing. And so a healthy faith where our kids grow up in is a faith grounded in the truth, but also a faith that they actually experience. Where they say, I feel God. I, I feel I'm in a relationship. I, I know God, and I've seen Him move, and He's amazing. That's the best atmosphere for, according to this report, for young people to grow up in. The second one, interestingly enough, is actually uh, teachings and beliefs of a church. Uh, young people are looking for churches that don't avoid tough topics, are willing to go deep, provide life applications, and welcome questions. And I hope we're never a church when a young person asks us a tough question, we go like, well, we don't ask those kind of questions around here. I mean, I hope we're not that kind of church. Because I still got questions, and I'm sure you do, and, and we get together and we open up God's Word and say, let's work on this, let's talk about this. And we are a church, I hope you realize, that doesn't avoid tough topics. I mean, we've talked about issues of sexuality and, and pornography and, you know, what's up with God's wrath and down with the different views of hell. We, we, we deal with tough topics. Like t- In fact, next week we're talking about wives submit to your husbands and who's the boss, and there's a tough topic for next week. I mean, uh, we don't run around those things because just as you have questions about those things, uh, young people have questions about those things. Here is, uh, Edna said this, another young person. One thing I like about church is the fact that we're challenged all the time. And when I say challenged, challenged by the word. And we're reminded that we need to be accountable to the Lord. I like to be challenged by the word. In other words, young people don't like to come here and just hear some fluffy thing where they just like, that was a waste of my time. And sorry, I'm sure that happens sometimes, but uh, <laughs> uh, Don said this, uh, they get wishy-washy, talking about the church, uh, they, uh, they'll just give them this wishy-washy, Jesus loves you, rainbow, shun, sunshine, puppy dogs, glitter version of the gospel to win them over. Uh, but it's not about winning people over for popularity points and brownie points with Team Jesus. There's no, no sort of challenge, there's no stretching, there's no real encouragement to do better It's just trying to make people feel all warm and fuzzy inside and hoping they'll turn out for the best. But what happens when that warm and fuzziness wears out? Because it will, because it's not real. Uh, Good words, yeah. Uh, Young people like, just like we like to be challenged. Uh, Just like as we have questions about, like, what is the deal with that verse? I want to know about that. Uh, This is a place where we can hopefully talk about those things. This is one of the reasons why the evangelical church has the best stats in terms of retaining youth. I mean, sometimes when you hear these stats, 70, 88% are leaving the church or 67% in Canada, but actually when it comes to the evangelical church, they're actually quite well. Uh, Young adults who grew up in the church who are still active, only one out of every five Roman Catholic is still active. Uh, So Roman Catholics are losing the most. Uh, One out of every three for mainline, but for, for us... It's only 30%. That's pretty good. We, we need to make that better. But two out of three stay in the church. And I think part of the reason is because the evangelical church tends to put more emphasis on the teaching of God's word and experiencing God more so than Roman Catholic and, and mainline churches. So, important. Now, here are the two biggest ones. Uh, we're talking about parents and community as we close here. These are the two biggest factors in their study of Canadian youth on why a young person stays or leaves. Uh, The study says this, our study confirms that emerging adults raised by parents who attend church regularly 
pray regularly, and read their Bible regularly are far more likely to attend church faithfully as adults than their peer parents who don't engage in these spiritual practices on a regular or semi-regular basis. James Penner, who's one of the authors of the report, said this, if parents model a vibrant faith, their children are likely to also engage in a vibrant faith that is likely to extend into their adult years. And a lot of this has to do with modeling. A lot of this has to do with a young person looking at their home, and they're doing this subconsciously, what is most important to my parents? And those who model Jesus and God's family and community and church and, and, and participating in the family of God and, 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 and faith practices, kids pick up that that's really important, and it carries on with them. But families where, uh, you know, the parents are often more excited about hockey or sports or their job or career than they are about their faith, the retention rate is quite low uh, when it comes to that. So they found in this study. And so it says if those who had an inconsistent Christian upbringing, this is what this report found, did no better than those who had no Christian input at all. So families who are just kind of sort of into the church the odd time when they can make time for it, those children did no better than young people who had no input at all. Uh, and this is what Jesus talked about. He says, like, you're all in or not, <laughs> right? Uh, you give up your life and, and you follow me. And this, this is the path that Jesus asks us to follow, not this kind of half-hearted, you know, if I have time, I'll be involved in the family of God, or if I have time, I will pray. And they found this made a huge difference in whether our young people stay or don't stay in the community. Uh, so here's some of the things young people said, that those who stuck with it. Uh, my parents modeled a love for church, prayer, and scripture. Uh, my parents were changed by their time with God. They actually saw their parents changing as Jesus worked in their lives. They weren't just stuck. They, God was doing something. Again, they saw God's, the experience of God as real in their family. Uh, my parents speak openly about their faith and invite dialogue. They talk about tough things. Uh, they, they talk about issues. They, they talk about it. And my parents included us in faith practices. And we see this, like in the Bible, it says, Paul says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith. Now, where'd that sincere faith come from? It says, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. That a sincere faith where parents love Jesus and are loving people and love God's community it just, for the most part, uh, passes on to the kids, and, and they follow in the same, in the same footprints. Uh, and so here's uh, Jasmine said this, my mom, uh, who lived it, like, I would see her reading her Bible every night and praying, and I knew that her relationship with Jesus was something that was real. I think seeing how real my mom's relationship with the Lord was did, and continues to really challenge me and inspire me to consider the way that I live. In other words, a young person, again, back to, I have experienced this as, as real in my home. It wasn't just a Sunday thing. It wasn't just something that they, if they only had time for, but it was something that was real, and it changed my parents, and it's changing me, and why would I ever leave? Uh, barrier. Here's some barriers. Those that had left, those who uh, no longer participate in the faith. Uh, here's some of the things. That one parent, but not the other, participated in faith and church. And there's interesting stats around this that uh, as soon as one parent checks out, 
uh, it makes a big difference. Because again, it's not seen as a priority in the home. Uh, parents believed in God but not, did not attend church. Uh, the community of God wasn't important. It was just kind of a family thing. And there was no influence from other people. Parents attended church but did not engage in faith practices throughout the week. Or they lacked modeling of Jesus in the home. Uh, sort of the hypocriticalness. I see my parents come to church and worship Jesus and talk about this with their friends and then they come home and they're angry and they're mean and they're judgmental and they, you know, there's not love there. They're not, I don't see them loving people. It's just not, some, there's a disconnect there. So if God didn't change my parents, he's probably not going to change my life. And again, the idea, I don't experience God as real. He didn't do anything in my parents' life. Why would he do anything in my life? And this is why it's important that we, as parents, saturate ourselves in Jesus because the closer we are with Jesus, the more he changes us. And the more our parents see us change and, and we humble ourselves and, and, and grow, hopefully as your kids grow, they see you grow in Jesus and they're like, wow, that changed my parents. I need help too. Sidney said this, uh, he called himself a Christian, but his life didn't produce any fruit. He can recite Bible verses and verses from hymns and he will also put them in birthday cards and things like that. Um, but I found that he behaved in a way that did not in any way reflect what I felt to be right. Uh, a testimony from someone who, who fell away from the faith. Now, the last big one is church community. And I don't think that most of us realize how important church community is in the lives of passing the faith onto our young people. It is super important. James Penner, one of the authors, said this, young adults who have a consistent, fervent role model, he's talking about role models other than parents, and mentor often became fervent Christians themselves. So young people who were connected with another adult who was not mom or dad, who loved Jesus and loved people, were way, way more likely to keep on following Jesus. Uh, one young gal said this, the choir director from the church, we'd keep in contact and she would always call me and check upon me and encourage me in my faith. And another elder in the church would call and walk with me, advise me to keep having faith and knowing that God is there. Uh, Carol said this, young person, these people became kind of like my adoptive aunts and uncles. And they'd always give me devotional books and sit down and have a talk with me, things like that. Ned said, there were several older members of the congregation. They had this genuine interest in me. And so there are a lot of young people whom those defining moments actually was not altogether their parents, but the community. And it's really important that we as parents, or if your kids are already gone, that you learn the names of the young people here and you connect with them. Because it's going to be really important in terms of their future. Atiyah said this, there was this old lady, and she gave hugs to everybody. That was really welcoming and stuff. And then all the other older ladies walked around and just said hi to everybody to see how they were doing and stuff. I mean, that it was impressive to her. Like, man, these old people love me. <laughs> I go in the world, and them, nobody seems to make eye contact with me and love me. But, man, these, these old people, they actually had an interest in me. And, and it's, again, important that we take an interest in our young people. And I would challenge all of us just to begin learning the names of the young people, just to say hi. You don't have to have a long conversation and say, hi, good to see you here today, or something like that. It makes a difference. 
So young adults are looking to make connections and find a place of belonging. They are attracted to church communities with as few contaminants as possible. And so communities that are warm and welcoming and loving and model Jesus, model loving people are very attractive to young people. But if they see contaminants, is what this study found, that if young people grew up in churches with any contaminants, the chances of them retaining their faith, it just went out the window. Some of the contaminants were this. Uh, the church community was judgmental. Uh, the church community was hypocritical. Uh, there was no connection or the church didn't give me a voice. They didn't care I was, if I was there or not. Uh, we always need to be watching the contaminants among us. Uh, we don't want to be a hypocritical church. We want to be loving Jesus here and loving Jesus outside this place. Uh, we don't want to be a judgmental place. Uh, we want to love people and hear their stories and, and, and listen to them before uh, we make judgment calls. Anna said this, uh, one of the things I really struggled, and these are people who have left, uh, struggled with is how people can have a firm belief in God, but they, ha- uh, but they have a belief they follow, but they can treat people so horribly at the same time. So here's a young person who came to church and just was, felt like she was treated horribly. I, I don't think people would hopefully that here, but man, that's the, the, Jesus said that people are to know you are Christians by your love. It's, it's the, Paul said the one thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love, and I hope that we just ooze of love here, uh, ooze of the truth of Jesus and the love of Jesus. Uh, Lila said this, I didn't really want to deal with the questions and stares and that type of thing, and the judgment which I knew was coming. I wanted to avoid, so I completely stopped going to church once I found out I was pregnant, once I started showing. And so here's a young woman who has this big thing happened in her life, maybe even a traumatic thing, maybe a joyous thing, I don't know, but she was scared to go to church because she'd be judged and unloved. Uh, we want to be a place that when people are having their worst moments and they're in their darkest sin, that they come in here and they feel loved and helped by the truth of Jesus and our love. Because this is where help is found. <laughs> when someone runs from Jesus and runs from the church, there isn't that grace and love and forgiveness and power. It's found here with the community of God and the, and the people of God. We see in Mark 10, it said people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place their hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. Uh, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. This, this word actually means he was really mad. <laughs> Because people are putting barriers to young people. That's the one thing that Jesus does not like when a church community puts barriers to its young people. Uh, and then Jesus says, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them. And we want to do everything possible uh, to love our kids and to welcome them and to help them grow up in the faith. Now, I just want to end with this because this is really interesting. Gordon T. Smith, who I'm sure Basil probably knows, he uh, teaches at Regent um, uh, I think back and forth, but he done a lot of study on conversions, just studying thousands of conversion stories, what made the difference, what, what was, did they do this or didn't do this, and very interesting what he found. Because for young people, what happens is a young person grows up in a Christian home, often their faith is kind of their parents, they believe what their parents believe, but there's a time where there's a decision made where they have to make their faith their own. Do I really want to live this? Is God really changing my life? Is He real? And they kind of move into an adult faith. Now, when it comes to young adults moving into an adult faith, 
do you know the most important factor is actually not the parents? It's actually other adults. Uh, this is what he found in this. He says this, the most effective catalyst for the definitive moments in a conversion process are not parents or peers, but the peers of parents, a pastor, teacher, coach, a Sunday school teacher, or a neighbor. And he's talking about when these definitive moments, when a young person decides, I'm going to make this my own. It's not the parents. It's other adults in the community. This is what he found after studying thousands and thousands of cases. The blessing, encouragement, and challenge of these other adults often enabled a young person to assume an adult faith. Thus, it is imperative that adults in Christian community recognize the importance of being present to the children of our peers. See, often we put too much pressure on parents. The church community does. What's well, your job? <laughs> I did Sunday school before. It's not my job anymore. It's, it's a parent's job. Actually, we have some of the most important roles to play when those young people start to grow up and they decide, am I going to make this my own or not? This is what he found after studying thousands of conversion stories. This is why it's really important that you're a part of church community. This is why it's really important that you be someone, if you have young people, that you're inviting other people over to your house so there's other adult influences, uh, your kids, so they hear about Jesus and how maybe he's healed them or transformed their lives from someone else other than their parents. That's what he found. Lifeway Research found the same thing. Teens who have had at least one adult from church make a significant time investment in their lives are more likely to keep attending church. More of those who stayed in church by a margin of 46% to 28% said five or more adults at church invested time with them personally and spiritually. So this is all of our job. It really is. Uh, we can help uh, the path of our young people when we take this seriously as a community uh, when it comes to, to these things. Uh, Gordon T. Smith again said this, we must assure parents and encourage them that the weight of responsibility for the formation of their children is not theirs alone. We hold it together as a community. It's our job. Parents have primary responsibility, yes, but we better not check out. 